Hello and welcome to a very special podcast. We're finally here. We're finally doing this thing. We're going to be talking Spider-Man No Way Home. I am your host today, Carl Pierce, and with me, as always, is the Chris Rock to my Will Smith, because he (laughs) needs a good bloody slap in. It's Scott McLeod, everybody. Less than, what, 20 seconds before we, we felt the need to make a reference to that. It had to be uh, done. It had to be done. Hello. He, he said by that. Uh, he needs... I say, by the time this goes out, it'll probably be about two weeks out of date, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says he, I need to have a good slap, but, you know, it, it would require him having to come all the way to Scotland and... He knows deep down he couldn't be asked to make all that effort come all this way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him he's, lie to you, people. He's quite, yeah, he's quite right. He's quite right. <laughs> it's like going yeah. beyond the wall for Carl. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Oh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to delving into this as we've been talking about. I've been looking forward to finally getting to talk about this for a long time and now that you've been able to finally see the film we can get into it yeah months months later but uh, yeah it's uh, it's it's a really good film and uh, what do you do you want to start at the beginning usually a good place to start i don't know where we're going to begin with this but i think saying really it's a very good film is a very much an understatement after all this i mean i was still seeing showings advertised for this for a good Couple of months after it came out, they just kept rinsing as much. They've kept rinsing as much money as they can out of this film, and rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, it it, it could have gone horribly wrong and just been like mm-hmm. trying to do too much fan service with all the sort of characters they brought back. But they 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 pulled it off and they pulled it off with some style, I might add. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's quite fitting with the characters that they did bring back that. You know, the last film for, for Toby and Andrew, both their common, like, issues were that, you know, they were trying to do too much or cram too much, make people in and set other things up. And this does set uh, other stuff up and it does feature a lot of characters. But I think the case of, you know, Sony not having full control and letting certain creators, you know, come in where it needed to, basically this has... Because I think Marvel brought in the elements that those other Spider-Man movies didn't have, and that's why it's worked so well. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, there's a good story in it um, that makes sense to why all these characters are there, and they'll get a reasonable amount of screen time, thankfully. So it, it all works out quite well. I think the main, I mean, one of the main troubles with the third one is uh, some Rummies basically had Venom. <laughs> 
sort of forced onto him. So he was never totally invested in in that character for that film, which, uh-huh. which didn't help matters. Yeah, I've I've watched so many videos with people talking about why Spider-Man Three went so wrong, and everything, and let me even talk. I remember we talked about like Venom saying that like part of the reason it, it didn't go well is that like creators shouldn't have to like you know introduce characters that they don't feel passionately about. So because he didn't feel passionately about Venom, obviously the whole plotline with Eddie Brock and the introduction of the symbiote didn't really fit in too well with everything else he was trying to do because he would he really was fixated on doing Sandman. So obviously there's some good stuff with that, but then the, that's why the Eddie Brock stuff. And also, he tried to pay off his stuff with with, uh, with with Peter and Harry. That's why there's just so much going on to the point where Sony were allegedly already secretly planning the reboot with Andrew Garfield. They horribly miscast uh, Eddie Brock as well in, in that film, which didn't help matters. I mean, even the actor, uh, I can't remember his name now. It's gone from uh, my Topher mind. Topher Grace. <laughs> Topher Grace. I mean, he admitted when he was uh, approached for the part, he didn't really think he was right for it, but he, you know, he's still to the part anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's a chance to be in a, you know, a major franchise. I mean, there were there were quite a few crap superhero movies that came out in the mid two thousands, but Spider Man seemed to be the one that was working. So of course, you don't turn down that paycheck. Uh, and, you know, at the same time, while fucking up a portrayal of it, and they also Sony also fucked up the last season of a. Uh, of that 70s show because he had to leave a season earlier than what the showrunners wanted to. So as a consequence, the final season of that same show was almost unwatchable. I can say that as someone who tried to watch it. But <laughs> weirdly enough, as many jokes as you might make about if Topher Grace popped up in this movie, I'd still be all for it. Yeah, yeah, I, I probably would have been as well, to be honest. Uh, you know, uh, there's that many things to get excited about it. They would have just added to it, probably. But as good as this film was, and we'll get to it, I do have beef. I do have beef. Oh, I think I may know what the beef is, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure you were, you were messaging me while you were watching it. <laughs> I understand your beef. But I do love how perfectly, if you want, want to start there again, I do love how perfectly they pick up this film right from the end of the last one. Like, you know, some people I know, like my mom and dad, like always have to remind them. Well, you've seen this film, that film, so you, you should know who this person is. Or if you don't, if you if you don't remember, this is the film you need to watch before you see this superhero movie. You don't even need to have seen a Endgame or any of the other Avengers or anything else going on. As long as you've seen Far From Home, you'll understand everything that's going on in this Spider-Man movie. Because literally, the first scene of this is just the continuation of the last scene of that. Yeah, it's. Um... It's a pretty good opening, really. As I say, it's very rare that these films do open sort of pretty much where the, the last film uh, ended. And, yeah, we see the reveal that uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker and he's, getting the, bl- <laughs> and he's getting the blame for um, killing Mysterio. And a lot of people from... Um, MJ's reaction, they can sort of tell that she's involved with him, so he has to sort of sweep in and save her, and they uh, go web swing, he swings off with her, which I think she's truly terrified by, as she probably (laughs) would, as she probably would be. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, I do love this kind of energy because it does fit so well into the modern day. All these people with their camera phones out, that woman they budge by, like, fireman hit me, you all saw it. And then something so brilliant yet goes so under the radar. There's like, as they're swing away, some guy downsides onto a cab and tries to dive at them and just completely misses it. And it just happens so quickly, like, is that is that supposed to happen? I don't, I don't know. And then the moment on the bridge with Ned, which I think sums up every every person who went to see their pal who's already seen the film and you just seen it. You, you all go, dude, dude, dude. <laughs> they even goes in the subway for a little bit as well. And, uh, and Jay finds that even scarier. <laughs> that was worse. Well, you would have <laughs> well, a fucking dream coming at them. <laughs> <laughs> I do love kind of the misunderstanding, like uh, they try and sneak him back into his house and he's getting changed to the suit and his aunt walks in on them until they're trying to explain <laughs> what wasn't going on and then what is actually going on is people are, this helicopter is all coming all around the house and something that surprised me about this film as a whole, you know, it seemed like you know, Spider-Man being prosecuted for the murder of Mysterio and everything like that was going to be like a bigger part of like the first act or whatever, but it's wrapped up relatively quickly. I mean, Probably you look back on to the benefit of the film's overall story, but it's surprising given how heavily they featured that in the trailers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought it was going to have more to do with um, proceedings, but I suppose you know they didn't want to do a courtroom drama, Spider Man versus mm-hmm. the people, Spider Man versus the people, or, or whatever. So um, yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny. I like uh, I like John Favreau in that scene as well. I, was like, I saw nothing. I didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> living Living Legend and Star Wars uh, <laughs> Supremo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's always it always feels very like he's actually one of the few people who like who's like you feel bigger than this. I mean, I mean, yes, you helped kick it off by directing Iron Man, but just your role in this right now is just appearing at happy. You feel bigger than this just because you've done all this. Star Wars stuff, and then I love the like the interrogation scene, especially Ned's one, where Ned gets tricked by the guy talking like, "Oh no, I've been Peter's guy in the chair the whole time." Like, ah, oh, so you've been his main accomplice in all his illegal activities? Like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, he uh, gives everything away before he's even probed too much, which is <laughs> pretty hilarious. Bless him. Well, that's Ned uh, for you. And then we get our uh, first, we get our first major cameo. What did you think of uh, a Matt Murdock cameo? Oh, this made me like so happy. Just as like, he's walking, second, he just sits down, and instantly, like me and my brother are in the cinema, and we're just staring at him, like, oh my god, like fucking amazing. Because I felt like one of many, many rumors that you didn't know what to believe unless you'd seen somebody in the trailer. Like we'd seen half the villains appear in the trailers, but you didn't know if the Matt Murdock thing was going to happen. And so I, I was a big fan of that, even as brief as it was. But just the whole bit where he catches the brick someone throws through the window, and he goes, "How'd you do that?" I'm a very good lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Spider Man goes to catch it as well, but yeah. Matt Murdock catches it. He's supposed to be blind and yet a look of disbelief. <laughs> Pretty much tells him none of the uh, allegations will stick, but uh, mm-hmm. but happy, but happy's going to need a really good lawyer. <laughs> I do like that, especially given that 
Uh, John Favre actually played Foggy Nelson, the psychic kind of Matt Murdock in the you know, three Daredevil film and back and forth between these two, like, oh, let's just hear him out. You're going to need a very good lawyer. <laughs> and I think the whole thing with, like, they say Stark Industries has been implicating this whole, like, the use of the drones that killed the theory or, you know, Stark drones and everything. I think when the series they got, uh, when they were announcing all the new shows with Disney Plus coming up, there was that one, Armor Wars, with Don Tito, and I think that's spent a time to what the plot is of that, about how there's all this Stark tech out there going missing, and he's trying to get it all back. Ah, oh, right. That's interesting. Yeah, I've not heard even, about that. Yeah, so even the little things, you know, just sitting stuff up in. So you're talking about Daredevil, obviously, his main rival is the Kingpin, and we've seen him in, uh, in Hawkeye. When Spider-Man and are swinging through the city, there's a massive sign for Rogers the musical in the background. I didn't see that. I have to, I have to try and uh, watch, watch out for that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you forget that all a lot of these take place in the same kind of. I know it's all the same universe, but like a lot of them take place in New York. So of course it makes sense continuity-wise. There's a big poster for Rogers the musical. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, I think obviously the whole thing about the court note, Mamar does make a good point. In the court of public opinion that seems to be the bigger challenge for him, like rather than the actual court and stuff, because there are people who believe in Mysterio, say there are people that believe in him. There's people like Flash trying to pretend they're his friend now, <laughs> that he knows his Spider Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and like even some of these teachers say, and like they got the coach, like got one, some guy putting all this big strange, like this is the score. Spider-Man goes like, no, you, you set that up. No, it's our students. No, it was you. <laughs> and then the Carol Burst, the teacher, is basically going like, no, you killed Mysterio. I believe in Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> and how that how that drags MJ and everybody else into, I think that's inevitably what motivates his decision to go see Strange. Yeah, in wrestling terms, he's become a bit of a tweener, um, a Spider-Man. <laughs> he's the John Cena uh, of the MCU. I mean, some people love him, some people hate him. But yeah, and they're also, because of um, what you know, all the allegations thrown at Spider-Man and the other two being sort of past party to that, they've got rejected from all the universities they've applied for as well, which is... Um, yeah, pretty much a diner. Um, what mm-hmm. makes uh, Peter Parker go to see? Um, um, oh God, Doctor strange. strange, as we were saying, and he sort of looks at these little sort of wizards, doesn't he, and a Halloween decoration, and that sort of makes him think. Hmm. Yeah, after he uh, he sees her at uh, MJ and that are, and he's basically like, you know, he he. He's doing it really for them because he doesn't want mm. you know them to get dragged down. And like she said, like you know, I'm I'm not disappointed. You know, I've learned basically you like expect nothing and you won't be disappointed. <laughs> Which is, I'm sure that did a lot of people can get on board with. But yeah, then that uh, he's still going to see, going to see strange and something about this that I've wanted to bring up when we've been talking about the the trailers for Doctor Strange too that they mention here is that. Uh, when they go in, apparently Wong is now the Sorcerer Supreme because, on according to Strange, on technicality, because I was blipped for five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the chemistry between Benedict Cumberbatch and um, Tom Holland is really good. They they sort of 
play off each other really well. I love the old um, when he calls him sir. He goes, "We saved the world together." I think we're beyond calling me sir. Okay, Stephen. Weird, but I'll allow it. I know that's in the trailer, <laughs> but it still makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I love how they basically they explain. Like everybody was wondering, what's the what's the whole thing with this? The sanctum in Kevin Snow. One of those weird doorways that they have to go to, like go to like other places that they have. I think they they showed you in a fight scene during the first Doctor Train. There's one in like Siberia, where someone left it open, and now just how thrown away it was. Oh yeah, someone left the door open, and now we're covering snow. <laughs> yeah, there's like two two people just sort of haplessly shoveled in there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny that. That Wong's basically now got seniority over Strange because he seems to have always been the kind of the more like level-headed, the more responsible one of the two. Even though uh, Strange got this like big position as like the Sorcerer Supreme, it always seemed like he was always the more fitting of that, the fitting of that role because he wasn't going to do stupid things like Stephen Strange does. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and we sort of see that when. Um... Spider-Man's asking for his help, and so so we can. I can't reverse time anymore, but I can uh, do a forgetting spell. And Benedict Wong's mm-hmm. character sort of tells him that, um, "Oh no, don't do that. It's dangerous." Oh, we've done it for much less, have we? <laughs> you remember the party at such and such? No, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love the way. I love yeah. the way that's a stranger, just like in um, a tracksuit and a jacket and he's still got his cape on <laughs> <laughs> well that just follows him around now like the, the, the cape's got a life of its own as we all know but yeah I do like I almost forgot that yeah, he, uh, Peter almost like tries to get me like reverse time knowing he, he had the time stone but remember then again they all had to be like the stones that they had they all had to be returned because the original versions that they had were destroyed by Thanos so, yeah and then he uh, does the whole link in that, like, yeah, don't worry, wrong. I won't do anything irresponsible. And then he has to be the one responsible because then he, because then Peter keeps fucking up because, like, he, we, we see the whole bit with the trailer, or, like, the whole bit we saw in the trailer with the spell and everything, like, you, like, okay, everyone, even me, forget that you're Spider Man. What about MJ? Okay, everyone except MJ will forget. Ned, <laughs> and like, like, you changed my spell six times. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, I was like, "Wait, you didn't call the university to try and get and try and make get them to make an exception? You, you, you <laughs> yeah. came to me to a universe altering spell before picking up the phone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, "Well," uh, and then the next scene, yeah, he's just sort of like getting kicked out, basically. <laughs> just oh, hilarious! So he gets onto the phone to um, Flash and. Promises to tell everybody that Flash is his best friend if he can uh, hook him up with um, this big-time university bar who is on her way to the airport. So mm-hmm. he has to chase after her. And that's when we get our first villain reveal. Yeah, I love that Flash has written a, written a book called Flashlight all about his relationship <laughs> <Yeah>. with <laughs> Which is very much on brand, and I was always it's one of those small things. I was wondering, like, yeah, he, he it's been a series that Flash loves Spider Man but hates Peter Parker, so I just wanted to see his reaction when 
funny things that are both the same person. There's a bit where he's on his phone seeing it revealed, and then Spider-Man needs to go behind him right to the sewer. Yeah, you're saying that we get this is where we get our first like villain kind of reveal, and I actually watched Spider-Man two back before we uh, recorded. It's not today, but the other day because like it's been ages since I've seen it. It's finally on Netflix, but yeah, getting to see Doc Ock back because you know, obviously having seen the trailers, I knew it was coming up. Like, okay, come on, I want to see like uh, Doc Ock back and uh, Peter is all prepared. He's like, do I, do I know you? And like, he doesn't want to fight him. So they, he says. You know, I should have killed your your girlfriend when I had the chance. And at that point, Spider Man jumps in action, saying, "Keep my girlfriend's name out your damn mouth." And then he smacks <laughs> Doc Ock across the face. <laughs> that joke would have been funnier if Carl hadn't made a reference to it right at the start of the podcast. But I know, I thought this would be a decent place to put it. <laughs> it still works. It still works. Don't worry. But yeah, and. Uh, Doc Ock makes a big mistake by um, absorbing the nanotechnology from Spider-Man's suit because that actually leads to Spider-Man being able to pair up like uh, like on a phone with Bluetooth, pair up with uh, (laughs) his suit with Doc Ock's tentacles and take control of Doc Ock's tentacles, which... um, he wasn't thrilled about it. and he actually uses it to save that um no what, what she was like a not a teacher but whoever she yeah. is at the university uses Doc Ock's tentacles to bring her car back to safety and she then she promises I'll have a word with the with the board about you and your friends and he's like well no it's just it's just just my friends I'm not worried about me I'll have a word with the board about you and your friends. <laughs> and she seems to have a bit of courage because she gets what she she scolds Doctor Odd. Coming and watch Spider Man too reminds me of the bit where he's trying to like where he kidnaps Aunt May after the, the bank scene and she just whacks him on the back of the head with her umbrella, like, shame on you. Just <laughs> <laughs> a similar bit. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think he's maybe been pulled from like around about the, the final like fight scene. And Spider-Man 2, that's the point in time he was pulled from. And uh, he, pretty much, yeah, he, said, he pretty much dominates Peter right before the bit you said about him taking over the, you know, the start tech. The start tech kind of takes over the arms and he's kind of moving his arms a bit and he realises he can control Doc Ock, which he has a bit of fun with. But also love that Doc Ock, you know, how far his mind seemingly got here that he assumes he's in control when he's yelling at the arms like, no, you don't listen to him, he doesn't to me when we all know the real reason that it went bad because the arms were the ones in mm. control. There's also a nice little bit when um, he sort of, um, Spider-Man sort of um, exposes his like spider legs in his suit and yeah. um, uh, he says, we've got some, co- Doc says, we've got some competition, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I was, I was almost, uh, I was like paid off later, but I was almost disappointed because then I'm thinking, okay, when is the Green Goblin coming? Because I'm pretty sure we saw some shots of them on the bridge and the trailer. And then you hear, you see the pumpkin bomb, you see him, old school gear on the collider. And then just at that point, Peter's pulled back to the sanctum by by Doctor Strange. And then I'm thinking, I don't know if it's got you, but the jump scare of the lizard being in one of the cages, that got me in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. Also, um, before they do, um, 
Doc actually recognises Norma, which I think is a good, uh, a nice little touch point. You go, you, you sort of, say, he sort of says Norman. <laughs> yeah, because I think oh, that was been a big story when it came out that Norman Osborn was the was the Green Goblin. Also, in Spider Man Two, we forget that uh, Norman's son was funding the experiment that turned him into Doc Ock as well. Mm. So of course, yes. it makes sense he would know who he is. And they're both fellow uh, scientists as well, so mm-hmm. um, that sort of works in works in too. And um, yeah, he gets um, Doctor Strange sort of explains uh, uh, what happened with the the spell going wrong, and uh, people some people have, like come through the cracks, so to speak, and uh, he's going to need to round them up. And um, yeah, we get that because well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to need some help. So he sort of lets him get Ned and MJ involved, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, some some good fun scenes like the that Scooby Doo this shit line, <laughs> which always makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I think you're missing the word please. Okay, please Scooby Doo this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think he says like the spell got changed like five times, so that's five like cracks and cracks, which allowed five. That's why there's five villains. Because it was also to do with forgetting who he was. It was all people who knew who Spider Man, that Spider Man was Peter Parker. But obviously, it isn't until they immediately realize this isn't there, Peter Parker, because in this bit between the Doc Ock fight where the, the mask comes in and goes, You're not Peter Parker. And people like, I'm so confused here. And then. So Doctor Strange is yelling at Peter for like fucking the spelling. He like he mentions how he had basically had he had to put the the lizard into the cage himself, uh, and Doc Ock's just sitting fuming still in his cage. Uh, and then that takes us on to where we, I don't know if this is before or after the bit with Electro, but the the scene with Norman in the alleyway, uh, he's having the argument with like the Goblin, and the, the, he ends up like breaking the mask. Yeah, it was a nice talk because I wasn't sure if we were going to get um, proper Norman Osborn or not. But I think this film does a good job of showing the the sort of inner turmoil that Norman has between um, himself and the Goblin taking control. So uh, yeah. I, I quite, I quite, I quite like what they did within that, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, um... I think the trailer made you believe that maybe Doc Ock had a bigger role in terms of the villain aside than Norman. I think when you actually watch the film, you realise it's actually the other way around. That Norman yeah. ends up having a bigger role in this than, than Doc Ock does because I think Doc Ock gets kind of helped, uh, cured uh, quite early on in the like, halfway point of the film. Yeah, pretty much. And traditionally in the comics of that, the Green Goblin is Spider-Man's most um, mm-hmm. sort of, well, his sort of greatest foe, um, so to speak. So um, it makes sense that he sort of becomes a sort of prime sort of antagonist. But um, yeah, it's it's quite good. So he he tries to clean his suit and he can't clean his his suit's got some stuff on it, hasn't he? So he ends up dyeing it black or something by the looks of it. I'm not I'm not too sure, or, or it just looks black because they're in the dark. I'm not too sure what what goes on there. 
I guess like the suit that Spider-Man wears, yeah, where you think they kind of viewed it with some like magic, because obviously he's got like, he's trying to like trap the the other what, the other villains, and I do like kind of the moment where he's kind of you can sense something's there, and you can just see Electro. I think they showed a brief the Electro just forming behind him, because uh, I think at first, even though he looks everywhere, he doesn't have the weird hair that he had in Spider-Man. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. He is still blue at the, at the start for a little bit, and doesn't have like the new look till later on. It's good the way they do that, and Sandman's there, and he actually helps Spider-Man at first. And and when we first meet him, he's he sort of um, causes a bit of a sandstorm around uh, Electro as Spider-Man tries to unplug these pylons to stop him mm-hmm. from drawing power. Which he manages, which he manages to do, and and then they all get sapped back into um, um, to the Stranger Santorium. Uh, there's a nice little bit where he accidentally, well, when he misses Electro and <laughs> zaps some trees into a thing, and then a little bit later on, Ned's asking, "So what is that? Is that some sort of tree monster?" <laughs> yeah, you know, Jimmy Fox just casually like. Just a tree, dude. It's <laughs> not an air tree. <laughs> uh, uh, and I do like uh, that Marco at the start is like helping Peter because obviously he picks up from uh, the end of uh, Spider-Man 3 where they were kind of allies. So because it could have easily just like had him be plucked from like the middle point in the movie where he still hated Spider-Man, but they chose to bring him in and say he's an ally. But I think he's a fine strategy when Peter is not understanding who he is. Uh, but it's in the cage as well. But I think overall, out of all the villains, maybe Sandman was the one that I don't think had the biggest impact because he seemed very easily swayed in the end to just go back to being full baddie again. Yeah, he's quite he's quite fickle, isn't he, Sandman, by the, by the looks of proceedings. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's he did seem quite understandable as why he was a bad guy. And like when you see him in Spider-Man 3, his... Some of his stuff is some of the best parts of that film. But then this, he's kind of just there. But I suppose, you know, they're in an unknown world and they're not too sure if they can trust um, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. I suppose if you had been sort of zapped into a small sort of cylinder prison, you would be a bit wary of, who are these guys and can Mm -hmm. I really trust them? And... um, as you talk about having to try and find um, the, the goblin again, um, I'm just like, I don't know if this was even before he went. They went looking for Electro and uh, Sandman, but this is that's where sort of Doctor Octopus sort of tells them that um, Norman Osborn, Norman Osborn's dead, and you know, you, if you do, you're chasing, um, you're chasing ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's Aunt May who finds him because she's running that shelter, mm. and he guns. He got these old like purple rags over his like green suit. So uh, in the end, it does actually help his look look more kind of comic book accurate. And a little thing that somebody pointed out to me that I didn't notice at the time, but uh, obviously it's Aunt May has to convince him like help Norman, and that leads him to you know the disagreement with Doctor Strange about helping the villains rather than like sending them back, but. He tries to tell her, like, it's not my problem. And it was pointed out to me that maybe this is a reference to, like, when Spider-Man initially could have stopped the mugger and said, I missed a part where that's my problem. 
considering what happens to Amy later on in the, the line, she says to him, similar to Uncle Ben, it actually could have been an intentional thing. Or maybe some people just want to find meaning where there isn't any. No, no, you could be right there. You just you just don't know. I mean, a bit of long-term booking there by the, <laughs> by the signs of it. <laughs> but booked all the way since 2002. That's long-term booking for you. Damn right it is. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just love uh, William Dafoe's um, performance. There, he just mm-hmm. it, the, he plays Norman and the Green Goblin so so different, so differently. You, and there's a bit you can you can sort of tell when he's Green Goblin again um, yeah. when things start going wrong, which we'll uh, we'll address when we when we get there. But yeah, he, he just seems so discombobulated. He, he doesn't know why he's there and or what's going on. Uh, apparently he doesn't have his business or his his house here and I don't think his son exists in this world by um by the signs of it. So um yeah, yeah he's not too um but interesting because like basically they've been implied that this is a universe where they don't have a an Oz core for an Orin Oz one. So I'm assuming in the, in the Tom Holland world that this is the closest we'll get to an actual green goblin. But that's quite interesting because, you know, they they set up another spider film that like the Avenger Tower had been sold and like people have been asking when are they gonna reveal who bought the tower and a big theory was oh it's been bought taken over by Oscorp but now we know this universe there is no Oscorp so which is interesting. But I do like how it is kind of like going back to his performance in Spider Man two where he said like he's all confused as to what happens when the goblin takes over because he tries to plead Peter at the end of Spider Man two like it wasn't me, it was all the goblin and then uh, you've got the bit where he's in the cage where they try and figure out how to help the villain. He goes, you know, I could help with that. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Yeah, I love that. He said that because I saw quite a few memes with that. And I thought, you know, why are they memeing something he said like 20 odd years ago? But uh, <laughs> uh, I was quite, thought it was quite cool that uh, that line was brought back <laughs> again. <laughs> and talking about... Talking about how he dies in the first one, that uh, we won't jump to it now, but that almost comes back full circle as well. So it's kind of everything's kind of clever what they do here, and it, it really is a long term booking the more I think about it. Yeah, and I really like that Marco knows about a heat of the heat, you've been alive when the events of the first two and Tobuguar's movies are happening, so that's why he's able to tell Norman and and Doc what, like, what's going to happen to them, and obviously. Uh, Electro and Exo talks about what Dr. Connor's trying to like turn everyone to lizards because also he would have been working at Oscorp as was showing enemies Spider-Man too. <laughs> and Chris goes, you look very different Max. last time I saw you had horrible teeth and a bad comb over. Yeah, well Stafford, you've had you've had some sort of makeover. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like some of his, yeah, I quite like some of uh, the little dialogue, and he goes, you know, I I could give you a proper makeover, but see if I say, well, yeah, turn us into lizards. It's the next step in evolution. <laughs> uh, I do think, though, of all the make, you know, all the glow ups as they call it, they did with the the characters. They could have at least tried to put the lizard in a, a lab coat, like he's always in in the comic yeah. books and cartoons. I want the lizard in a lab coat, damn it! <laughs> yeah, it's weird too. Like he doesn't look that different. I mean, the CGI makes it looks a little better, but it does look 
look is still very similar. It's weird how they didn't try and change it in any way in this. They didn't really make any major changes in this film. Because uh, I remember Tom Holland talked about the way they did the Doc Ock like tentacles. Did they were able to use a lot more CGI for them than uh, they they could back in the when they were filming Spider Man Two? Because apparently it was like they had to have like four separate people operating each arm, and so obviously the movement was a bit constricted. And he said how Alfred felt like so relieved that because obviously the upgrading effects, he could like be more free when and play about more when he was like doing the fight scene on the bridge. Yeah, but it was a but, but it was a lot easier for Alfred Molina uh, this time mm-hmm. round. Did you ever see the little mm-hmm. uh, Easter egg on the um, the DVD of Spider Man Two when um, Willem Dafoe came in for his cameo <laughs> and he went into the 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 tentacles set up and started <laughs> taking the started taking the Mickey. <laughs> well, that's a deleted scene because apparently. Alfred as soon as they wrapped up, Spider-Man 2 had to go and like, do a, a production of like Fiddler on the Roof. So there's a scene of him all ducked up with the tentacles and people moving about singing if I were a rich man. <laughs> while, while, all the while people are moving the, the tentacles about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and um, you we get the bit where Dr. Strange sort of says, yeah, all these, you know, we got to send them home and they're all sort of destined to to die by Spider-Man's hand, which uh, Peter's not too keen on. So he mm-hmm. uh, snatches away that sort of magical cube thing. And uh, we get we get to see him go into the mirror universe, which I wasn't expecting, which was which is quite cool. I, thought, I love the effects of like the, you know, the, the breaking glass and, go, you know, all the sort of like what looked like ground-breaking effects when Inception did it, all the sort of cityscapes mm-hmm. upside down, and that, that looked awesome that day. Spared no expense on the, the, the CGI. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, given that they're going into Doctor Strange's world, it is very much one-sided for the most part. And the interesting thing they did, where they did the bit in the trailer that everybody was talking about was when they do, we show Doctor Strange pushing... Spears like Astro playing out of his body, kind of like the ancient one did to him in the, his first movie. And but yet, Pierre still had some sort of control over his body. And I was really like, This isn't supposed to be possible. And I hope that's something that's maybe followed up on in a later film and not just kind of left there because I was kind of wondering how the hell that happened. But so that Pierre comes back, he steals the ring, that's Doctor Strange. There, I said, I beat a wizard using geometry. <laughs> yeah, it was quite funny when he's working out. Geometry. I can do geometry. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ned got the takes control of the, the wee ring that he used to create the portal. And he's like, my, mom, my grandma always said our family was magic. So he <laughs> holds on to it and then obviously comes into use later on. It certainly does. It certainly does. So yeah, they uh, they go about trying to, to cure, in the air quotes, the uh, the villains and they um Norman helps Pete to make a a new inhibitor chip for for Doc Ox so he can regain control of his uh, metal arms. Um they use like um 
the thing Iron Man had for Electro, don't they? The um, yeah, I forgot what they the call it now. The art reactor, and um, once it goes all green, it'll take all the electricity out of his body. Well, not all the electricity, because you know, you need electricity for your brain to function. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why let the facts get in the way of a good story? <laughs> I also love that they just they basically leave the they leave the lizard out in the van, like. Yeah, we can take a guy with giant tentacles and uh, a guy who drums himself into sand, but let's just leave the lizard down here in the van. That'll, that'll be too weird. But and they're, all, they're all in Happy's apartment because that's where they're, they're staying because they're trying to lay low. And then Happy Security basically tells them that Bjorn and he's like, Peter, who the hell are all those guys who just brought them to my house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also a bit earlier on as well, which made me laugh of Happy Hogan when um, he's FaceTiming MJ and Happy's there on his chair. He's got this like breathing apparatus on to, to Yeah. I uh, also love the fact that they show a very old photo of him when he's been rep- his involvement in the start thing is being shown the news. He's just got this big slick back hair and he's got this look at you like, oh, they chose that picture. Well, don't have a lecture. There was a funny scene between him and Sandman where basically they talk about the accidents, they compare the accidents of how they got became the way that they are. Like, I fell into this, you know, big thing with sand. What about you? Fell into a pair of electric eels. That's rough. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta be careful where you fall. Before you fall, land, and it's like, it's like. Very, very funny. It's sort of tongue in cheek, and letting you know <laughs> how, how daft these uh, these things are. Yeah, but I think it's basically Bogan find it like superhero origins in general because, like, you realise when you watch something like a Spider-Man, just how many of them. Like, you look at all these villains in this film, like, oh, it's all the same thing. They are either in some sort of accident or they experimented on something they shouldn't have been doing. It's all. It's always a lot of accident. <laughs> it's a way of the world. <laughs> But it is, it is actually quite a touching scene when they do cure Doc because he's like kicking and you're almost like quite reluctant for them to even do anything. And then he almost has this kind of real moment of relief when he gets control back over the arms and everything. It's a bit, a bit like Scott when he's told to have a salad. <laughs> what do you mean when I have a salad? I've never tried salad before in my life. Unless it's been deep fried, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> It's just, it's just plate. It's just decoration. It just makes my plate look a bit more colourful. I know a small caveat that we didn't really talk about yet, but uh, when everything starts to like, hit the fan, obviously J. John Jameson's there with his uh, with his news van, and they've went full like in forward with this version of J. John Jameson. Like he's got this set up in his apartment with a green screen. He's pushing supplements <laughs> during the <laughs> program. It's like he's like the Vince McMahon of, um, <laughs> but I like the way he starts off in his basement, and then as things pro- as the movie progresses, he's got a, f- a proper full-on studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. I, hope, I hope we see more of this version of like J. Jonah Jameson. Just even we camera, just whenever something goes wrong and upcoming Spider-Man, it's just like, oh, once again, that menace Spider-Man costs thousands of dollars worth of damage. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there's a little scene. Some uh, 
around the time he's put the art reactor on to Electra when he asks something to, to Norman and he replies in the Green Goblin voice and you're like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> he can tell that he knows what he's doing. Like, yeah, there's something in that little trick of yours. And then I do love the line with like, Norman. He goes, Norman's on sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he starts taunting Peter and his... Uh, it's just like the expression, you know, his face. He's just got the perfect sort of face for mm-hmm. uh, the goblin. It's so sort of it's so expressionless, expression, mm-hmm. not expressionless. He's got so much expression in his face, and yeah, the 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 way he changes his voice for the goblin as well. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's really cool, and yeah, well, it's all sort of. Um, just as the uh, last light's about to come on, uh, Electro takes his um, art reactor off and decides, no, I'm not having this. And all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Also, the lizard eventually is able to like claw his way out the van as well. And Joe Jameson's there watching, like, do you see that? Is that a dinosaur? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like Electro like kind of steals the art reactor from like himself and yeah, you know, give himself a bit more power because Norman convinces him, well, like, these aren't you know, you know, these aren't you know, curses to be like just fixed. You know, these are gifts that we've been given, and so also the others kind of follow suit on. But the fight scene here between Norman and and Peter is just um, unbelievable. Like, the fact that he gets thrown out the window and then just the lizard's just waiting there to catch him and throw him back in again. <laughs> and then at one point, at one point, fucking Norman Osborn hits a spine buster so hard to go through the next floor. Yeah, that was like a proper Ron Anderson spine buster, that was, <laughs> wasn't it? Christ. <laughs> and I like the way as the fight goes on, his purple hoodie, um, he loses a bit more of his purple hoodie, so it's just like a, a bit over the shoulders, as you, as you said before. But not quite like the looked a lot more like the the comic book sort of look, bar the the green mask. So yeah, quite liked how they how they did that. That was pretty clever. And um, yeah, Electro sort of um, electric uh, electric stock and he goes flying out. A bit like yeah. a bit like. Um, when uh, the emperor did Mace Windu, he just yeah. uh, it just missed out. Electro going unlimited power. <laughs> Someone coming in with a with a lightsaber chop off one of the arms right before right before <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, and then we get the the glider coming back in because uh, of. Like him, because uh, Ami tries to sneak up behind him, trying to like, inject him with the cure that they, they started making for him, but also he doesn't want to be cured. And it does repeat the lines that we hear in the trailer about, like, you know, you're struggling to have everything you want and the world's trying to make you choose. Uh, and he says, I'll make the choice for you. And then you have the glider coming in. And yeah, I'm sure this is why you've got beef here, Carl. Yes, yes. Another. <laughs> Another Marvel hottie getting killed off. I mean, what what has Marvel and Disney got against um, for, you know cougars? Basically, <laughs> kill off Salma Hayek, kill off Marissa Tommy. What are you trying to do to me? <laughs> getting getting blue balled by flipping Disney. <laughs> Oh. 
<laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, this is not what I expected to hear from Carl today. <laughs> I will say I did get a message from and and all cats. You know, first Thelma Hayek, now Marissa Tomei. Like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Carl was this close to taking back his Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> I want my bloody money back. Although, to be uh, fair... To be fair, um, No Way Home isn't on Disney Plus, so I, I can't really blame, blame Disney Plus for that one exactly. Well, yeah, just, you know, in general, because also they produce a lot mm. of the Marvel content. It was kind of a, you know, it didn't work, but, you know. But I do like <laughs> the way kind of this, this scene is together, because, like, it, the glider is involved in how Norman mm. died in his film, and then, you know, you don't even realise it's happened, and then until she's ready to start to slowly go down and then yeah this is where they wait they at least waited three movies in before giving us the uh with great power comes great responsibility part which i appreciate which then makes you think i know we didn't get to see it but it would have to appear then become spider-man then if uh his uncle ben didn't give him the whole speech then like what the hell happened to this version of uncle ben in this universe yeah Goodness knows. We may never find out. We, we may never know, but I like that they get they waited into this moment to to give us that kind of reveal. You know, they give us that kind of line coming because it's such a part of like Spider Man, but they didn't have to do any first movie, kind of like how Andrew and uh, Toby's films had to include the Uncle Ben thing. Obviously, this is going to be. I'm losing people to basically be a major impact for him going forward after the events of this movie. Yeah, and and speaking of uh, Toby <laughs> Maguire and Andrew Garfield, it's this is the the point where we uh, we we get their uh, entrance into the film where um, Ned's trying to use his newfound ability to open a portal to uh, find their version of Peter and um, the opens a portal and we see someone in a Spider-Man suit and you can tell straight away by the, by this sort of beanpole uh, <laughs> stature that it's that it's uh, gonna be, it's Andrew Garfield and he walks uh, in this and takes his uh, mask off and like wait a minute you're not Peter Parker and uh, yeah these sort of um, have a bit of banter and um, we moved the cobweb for um, for Ned's mum, which was nice of him. <laughs> I do like that because you can get it but even by looking at the suit, like that's not that's not Peter. I like it's weird because I, I went to a showing of this two days after it came out, uh, and the cinema was fairly packed, right? But I seem to have got a sub- very subdued crowd here because I've seen clips of cinemas where when that people film in went the bit where this uh, scene happened and everybody in the cinema's going crazy. No nobody made a fucking peep in my cinema. They well they don't tend well, they don't tend to in this country, but apparently in America they uh, make a bit of no, bit more noise for for things like that. In this country we tend to have this thing where you you stay quite quiet but you, you see when you see clips from uh, American audiences, they do they do tend to be a bit more lively for for films. It's uh, yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, I imagine the differences are are bizarre. But uh, there you go. That's... Yeah, I mean, just just me and my brother just nudge each other like, oh look, someone's so here. Oh, that's a reference to that thing. Everybody else is just sitting on their ass, just shoveling popcorn in their faces like. 
Maybe people even care about Spider-Man. <laughs> but yeah, I do love uh, the pants that they get to have, especially Andrew Garfield, because his Spider-Man, especially in the second movie, they tried and be a bit more snarky, uh, as Spider-Man's kind of meant to be. Uh, and he's like, I'm, I'm Peter Parker, I'm Spider-Man, like, prove it. Like, how, how do you want me, what do you want me to prove it? And then he tries to, Andrew tries to, like, test his replay by throwing bread. I'm like, can you please stop throwing bread at me? <laughs> and then Ned does that, guys, it's fine, Peter Parker, and Toby comes in, but without the suit on, he goes, oh, good, it's some old guy. <laughs> but they kind of, they kind of recognise each of, uh, each, that, each of us Spider-Man, don't they, straight away, even though, um, Maguire hasn't got the, the suit on, which I thought was a nice little touch. And yeah. um, they sort of tell him, we think uh, uh, Peter need, needs you, your help. I do like the, the kind of look at each other. It's almost kind of the whole, like, the Spider-Man, like, the two Spider-Man memes that kind of come to life. And mm. they do do the, like, the quick, like, webs. And also love, like, obviously... Peter Parker may be a nerd in any universe, so Andrew Garfield just think of the idea of like string theory and uh, alternate universes. He's he's marking out a little bit. Whereas Toby's a bit more casual, he just sits through like, oh, you know, I just sit through this portal thing. Oh, it's done now. <laughs> and yeah, like, and there's like this long winded um, rant from uh, Ned's mum and uh, in. Um, in the native language, and he sort of says, "Mum says, can you clean up the webs, please?" <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, "They're all native." And he's like, "Like, like you're, how can you be Peter Parker? You're not Spider-Man. You're not wearing the suit." Goes, oh, "I tend not to go around, you know, wearing it. You know, it kind of defeats the purpose of the whole, you know, secret identity thing." And they make a joke later on, like, are you, are "You got? Do you have a suit, or are you just gonna come dress with your whole cool youth pastor that you got going here?" <laughs> yeah. you, you, I love that line. And <laughs> you realize he's got like he's sit on like underneath it. And yeah, um, so so the um, they they find like where Peter, uh, what normal Peter, not the no way homes Peter. Is, yeah, and uh, they all sort of. You know, give him a bit of a talk, pep talk, and uh, tell him he's he's right to want to help the the other the sort of rogue galleries. So um, they all set about um, to um, do do the different things to help their sort of uh, enemies, like um, Toby Maguire's Peter Parker does a, a thing to. Like a serum to help um, uh, Norman, you know, Green Goblin go back to Norman, and mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man does a thing for the lizard. Yeah, I've done, I've done one before. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Peter is also still feeling sad because like he was very close to like Norman before he, he turns. He said, "I've actually been thinking about how I could have like cured him for a long time." So obviously that's why he he wants to to do that one and. I don't know that they kind of share their experiences. Like they were like, say, losing Gwen or Uncle Ben to obviously help Peter, and obviously they all know about the the great power of group responsibility speech as well, and everything. So basically, they they let him know he's not alone and all that. And also, they they say about give you a lot of hints into like their universes, like what what went on after their films, like uh, it's Andrew Garfield who implies that after Gwen died, he kind of stopped pulling his punches when it came to you know fighting crime which and mostly 
you know, hints that he, he went through kind of a dark phase, which also we never got to see because those films kind of stopped very abruptly. Yeah, and sort of Toby sort of um, hints that he made things work with his MJ uh, yeah. at the end. He was, yeah, MJ, well, my MJ, it gets confusing here. <laughs> yeah, and then yes, Andrew, but obviously, if he, has, if he ever found out when I took when he goes, you know, I don't really have time for, for Peter Parker stuff anymore, which means you think he kind of went a, a Robert Pattinson Batman thing where he would say, he cares more about being Spider-Man and he stopped trying to live the old double life of being Peter Parker as well. Yeah, and it, it might have been a way to sort of hide from the pain of um, losing <laughs> Gwen as well, which, uh, you know, a bit of a coping mechanism, perhaps. Bless him. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. yeah, some good scenes. Yeah, Andrew Garfield is like, I think out of the three, like, especially when they're doing the scenes with each other, he's the, the best one because... He gets to kind of have everybody redeem himself in more ways than one because it wasn't a bad Peter Parker or Spider-Man, but it just there were some things like working against his films. I think they sh- when they when they rebooted the, the series, they should have done for him what they did with Tom Holland and that they should have just skipped over the whole Uncle Ben thing and have him be Spider-Man like already. And that would have really helped them. Yeah. Uh, also, I remember when those films were coming, even when they were getting slide, everyone said, oh, you can't you know, fault the, the, the chemistry between him and him and uh, Emma Stone. I realised I realize a lot more why that should be a positive, because I watched back Spider-Man 2, and there are some scenes between Toby and Kirsten Dunst where you're like, Jesus, I do not buy you as, as people, let alone a couple. <laughs> they have some bad scenes together, <laughs> and they were meant to be going out at that time in real life. Yeah, it, it was a bit sort of the chemistry wasn't always great, was it, somehow? Mm-hmm. But uh, there we are. Um, then we get the bits oh. where they sort of um, they meet up on that. Was it the Statue of Liberty, isn't it? Which is getting fitted with a uh, Captain America shield by the looks of it. Yeah, I think they teed that Hawkeye where he goes. I want to see the new improved uh, Statue of Liberty, but also before they, they get ready to go, they uh, they uh, they did they they address them, which I wasn't sure they were going to. But uh, they look at the web. Peter's making new, like Tom Holland. Peter is making new web shoes. And Tom Holland basically goes, "What's that? Oh, you know my web shoes. Web shoes? Like you don't have those?" And then he just shows that he can basically produce it. Like, but you guys can't do that. Like, no, that came out of you. <laughs> yeah, they completely mark out over the fact that he can uh, shoot webs organically and I like this little could it come out anywhere of anywhere else? <laughs> or like and Ned says to Joe McGuire, like, Do you you have like a best friend, like a guy in the chair? My best friend died in my arms after he tried to kill me. And then later on he says to Tom, you know, I I promise you I will never return into a superhero and try to kill you. Thanks, man. <laughs> Which obviously means if there's more films, he will. Oh yeah, he definitely will. <laughs> Which I wouldn't be against because I like Ned. Yeah, I'd like to see what would what, what they would do with that. But but I keep hearing rumours on socials that he's he's going to be hobgoblin or something. Apparently, I don't, I don't know if that's just people reaching or there's any or they've got anything concrete to link him to that, but. I think, I I mean, think I, there is a there are a couple of versions of Hulk. I think one of them is called Ned Lee, so which is name of his character. So good to be there, and I, I wouldn't mind it because 
you know, if obviously now that they've already done a version of Green Goblin in this film, maybe, you know, do a live action Hobgoblin because I really like the Hobgoblin, but, you know, I think most everybody knows the Green Goblin that, you know, the Hobgoblin's never really got a look in when it comes to live action. Yeah, yeah, they could do it like perhaps, um, you know, even though the Norman went back. Um, the the glider didn't, so he can perhaps mm. acquire that somehow if if he somehow turns into hobgoblin or something. So could be quite, you know, would be quite interesting as well to have to have him face his friend for whatever reason. But we will see, we will see. Um, mm. But yeah, the the first attempts to try and. Um, round up the their villains and and cure them doesn't go to plan and they sort of admit don't they well you know they're used to working on their own not not in a team although um uh tom Holland's by them as like i was a team i was i was with the avengers oh that's so cool what's the avengers <laughs> <laughs> yeah also he said that as if he tried not to brag but he definitely is bragging like not to brag but i was in the avenger that's cool what is that? And Andrew Garfield's like, is that a band? Are you in a band? And then he goes to try to explain it. And then Tommy Grice goes, like, how is this helping? <laughs> but even before that, they're having the whole like buddy like scene where uh, they're like they're just chatting like the bit with the villains they've fought, and Andrew Garfield's like, I'm not as cool as you guys. And then like they reference like, when Peter Hartley's back during Spider Man Two, he helps uh, adjust Andrew Garfield's like. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I once I once lost my powers too. You know, whole existential crisis thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, they talk about I fought uh, I, I I fought an alien and things and to um, Tom Holland's like, oh, I fought an alien in space and Andrew Garfield's like, I haven't fought an alien. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so lame. Well, like, best thing I did, I fought a Russian guy in a mechanized rhino suit. <laughs> And then Tommy Grace tried to give him a pep to like, no, you are amazing. Like, I want to hear you say, you are amazing. Like, you're. <laughs> and then we have a bit of their having issues. And they're like, I keep calling you Peter 2. Peter 2. Like, I'm not Peter 2. I thought you were Peter 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they get they get confirmed he's Peter 1, 2, and 3. And they managed to coordinate their attacks. And uh, I mean, Sandman, they, they get two first, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Also, we had that scene from the trailer, obviously, proving that also the other Spider-Man were kind of digitally like, edited out of it. Uh, it's not the first time they've done that. I think they they showed you, like, the lineup for, like, the Civil War fight at the airport, but they in the trailer, obviously, they airbrushed Spider-Man out of it originally because, obviously, people weren't meant to know that he was actually in it. But, yeah, so... It made a lot more sense because, like, we we all we talked about it for ages when trailers came out. Like, it just looks like the lizard's jumping at nothing uh, when it's just when it's just one Spider-Man there. Yeah, it's like they they did their best, but it's like the worst kept secret of all time that those two were two were in it. Even though Garfield lied. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been giving him praise for the last you know twenty minutes. No, fuck him. I'm glad his film franchise failed. You know. You're a dirty, filthy lad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad that all the films for your Oscar nominated, all the interviews for you, I'm glad that all the interviews for your Oscar nominated film, which you didn't win Best Actor for, you know. <laughs> I'm glad that you did, that you lost and you, all the interviews were asking you, are you in Spider-Man? <laughs> are you in Spider-Man? Also, I don't know if you've seen, but obviously Will Smith won that category and 
there's a picture of Tom Holland, uh, sorry, Andrew Garfield on his phone, and he's saying uh, Peter Parker asking the other Peter Parkers if Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in their universe. <laughs> yeah, I saw that meme. That was genius, to be fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, uh, I love just how annoyed Doctor Strange is when he finally gets out. Uh, it's almost like the bit with Loki, like, I've been falling for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I've been hanging over the Grand Canyon for 12 hours. Uh, <laughs> like, you've been in the Grand Canyon? We've got to really double your help. <laughs> <laughs> and also, yeah, we get the. Another scene from the trailer when um, Mary Jane gets knocked off the building and um, I think he he tries to save her, doesn't he? Um, Tom Holland. uh, Yeah, Tom Holland tries, but he gets hit by Fingy on the uh, goblin on the glider. And um, Andrew Garfield manages to save her, redeeming himself for not being able to save Gwen, which was a... which is a nice touch. So I like to yeah. get his little hero moment. And we all knew, again, worst kept secret, we all knew that's what was going to be happening when we saw a falling in the trailer. You know, you can't, can't fool us. But before that, there was a nice little scene with, um, where they're trying to get Electro and he's proven too powerful and Doc mm-hmm. Ock makes another appearance and helps, he, and helps take out um, Electro with them, which was... Uh, a nice little bit. Yeah. I think when he gets the arc where art he does tease when, he, when he's holding it, he teases he's going to turn heel again, but he doesn't. He does <clears> know <throat> the power of the sun in the palm of my hands, like, which is the whole thing with the experiment in Spider-Man 2. But yeah, the thing with, because like MJ and uh, MJ and Ned like, did the portal over to the Statue of Liberty, but then they couldn't close it back over again. So while they're trying to close it, the lizard comes through. So in terms of trying to get, to get away from them, they end up in harm, more harm's way because they end up having to be on the Statue of Liberty, which is why she she falls. Uh, and, and it's interesting with when Andrew Garfield comes to save her because uh, he, he chooses to swoop in catch her rather than use the the webs because it was the webbing and the sudden snap which killed Quinn. Mm. So obviously he's learned from his mistake. Also he's you can imagine he's been replaying his head thinking if I'd only tried to catch her, you know she'd still be here. So yeah, he, like you said, he got that redemption. Get him on, and just when you think it's all done, you hear uh, Auburn going, Can the Spider Man come out to play? <laughs> yeah. You're wondering when he was going to make an appearance, and he's obviously waiting for the others to soften them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he, he sort of takes the um, MacGuffin thing, the, mm-hmm. the magic square thing, and they managed to. <laughs> Managed to get it back, but too late. They realise he's he's left a, a bomb inside for them, and uh, it blows up, and all madness ensues. We got all these like purple cracks starting to appear mm-hmm. in the in the sky and everything. Yeah, they're all you see. Everybody's everybody I've seen afterwards. The strength tragedy, bike freeze, rain, and see like the outlines of characters that they tease in the Spider-Man world. There were teases for Craven. And Rhino, those are the ones I could see, but mm. you know, because it was getting so late in the family, I was trying to wonder like, how the hell this is all going to wrap up and they were going to implement this because also a big part of the trailers is also the whole this scene here where the bomb goes off and Trent says, like, oh, they're starting to come through and I can't stop them. So, also, I think there's teases of like 
yeah, more comic book accurate version of uh, Mysterio and like Teaser the Scorpion as well, and the kind of the outlines. So it's interesting to see. Um, and I'm wondering if that's. Uh, I'm wondering if in the future they'll say, oh, actually, so and so actually stuck around. He came through the cracks, and that's a villain for a later film or another crossover. But you know, that's in the future. Uh, but I do love the. Uh, it's interesting that Spider-Man, this is so, like Tom Holland's so hell-bent on, like, killing uh, Norman Osborn for what he did to, for what he did to Aunt May and everything. It's uh, Tobey Maguire's Peter that has to, like, stop him. And it kind of goes back to what he's, his aunt said to him and Spider-Man 3, I think it was, she said, uh, it's not up to us to decide when a person lives or dies. But it also is a nice little nod to the comics where, uh, the comic book after Gwen dies in the comics, the front of the the cover is uh, Spider-Man looking up at the goblin, basically saying, "I'm going to kill you." <laughs> like this big speech ball says, "I'm going to kill you." Like this was released in like the sixties or seventies hmm. for kids here, and kids wake it up. Oh, what have you got there? Oh, I got the news to Spider-Man. I'm going to kill you. Like, okay, you can't read this anymore. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, I was alluding to before. Um, Spider-Man was going to sort of finish him off with his glider, so he was on, he was in danger of dying. How he died originally by by his own glider, but as you say, mm-hmm. um, Toby Maguire was there to stop him, and he, he he saw sense in the end. But there was a I, I did have my heart in my mouth when um, mm-hmm. he stabbed um, Toby Maguire Spider-Man with his. Um, like skewer thing on his on his yeah. arms, like shit. No, he hasn't. Ki- he hasn't killed him, has he? <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. Even when uh, he's, he's been stabbed, he still has tiny uh, banter with uh, with Andrew Garfield Spider Man as well. But I remembered that um, Toby Maguire isn't uh, an attractive older woman, so there's no reason to kill him off. I thought you were going to say like, yeah, but you care more about him than Andrew Garfield because Toby Maguire isn't a liar. <laughs> so uh, I think we can all uh, take away from uh, Carl's philosophy if, if they see an attractive older woman in a later MCU property please don't get to attacks they'll probably be killed off <laughs> <laughs> expect nothing from their character you won't be disappointed as MJ would say Something I want to ask you about, because I think it has implications for Doctor Strange uh, and the Multiverse of Madness when it comes out, is uh, Peter inevitably has to go back on, uh, like, he would, he didn't want uh, everybody to forget about him, but, you know, he's lost his aunt and everything that's happened has basically been his fault, so basically tell Strange to, like, do the spell uh, so that everyone, even Strange and MJ and will forget him, which is going to be interesting because, obviously... Strange is on trial in this, this Doctor Strange 2 trailer for the fucking with the multiverse, but if it's to do with what happened in No Way Home, then Strange shouldn't remember what happened. Like he doesn't know what he's done. Which I wonder which I'm wondering if that's what Patrick Stewart's Doctor X Professor X means when he says we should tell him the truth. And that's when Strange is informed, like, you performed this spell to help fix the universe, but in the process you forgot all about it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um we could see it could be something like that, as, as we say. Yeah, they cure everybody, and then Spider-Man sort of says, "You'll have to make everyone forget forget who I am, stopping from coming through." And he says, "Oh, that'll be me, even me, even even 
MJ, no, no one will remember your Spider-Man at all. So he does make the he does make the ultimate sacrifice at the end, uh, which is good to see. And as you say, yeah, if he doesn't remember why he's done what he's done, it might it might be. We'll we'll have to see. I'm quite looking forward to seeing that film when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it sets up a lot of it sets up for like Spider-Man later on because he said that you know. Tom Holland may be signed on for as many as three more movies as part as Peter Parker. But obviously, this is kind of like its own trilogy. So whenever the next Spider-Man film comes out, that'll be the start of a whole new kind of three-film arc kind of thing for him. So, like, and a lot of people actually pointed out when you see how he is at the end of it, like on his own making these a new suit for himself, and uh, like the woman that he loves doesn't even know who he is. He's weirdly kind of, kind of full circle to. The version of Spider-Man most people know from the comic books. Yeah, he, he does go to sort of see and talk to them. He goes to a little like um, cafe where she works, but uh, <laughs> he sort of battles out of it in the end, doesn't he? So these them, these are a to it. Yeah, just I'm wondering if like them being friends very well. I was I, I assume I had a theory that at some point he was going to swing by and. Because also they know each other, they don't know Peter that he was going to find out that Ned and MJ were suddenly in a relationship, or whatever, and that was going to like <laughs> that's that's why he was going to, and then he'd have to basically watch on as his best friend and his girlfriend were together, and he they were happy. And he was away off on his own, which would have been quite sad, but they didn't go that route, so who, who knows? Whatever. Uh, but that is interesting for the future because also we mentioned Doctor Strange too, but also. How that affects Spider-Man and like the wider sense of the MCU, like the uh, like the the future Avengers films, like how does it? Because I'm assuming also like every other superhero or everyone else that Spider-Man's worked with in the past has forgotten who he is as well. So is Spider-Man just going to be kept to his own thing? Is he going to be reintroduced in the next Avengers film? They have to reintroduce himself somehow. Who knows? It's all these questions and. I don't know if we've discussed sorry, but there's a theory that the whole crack with uh, when the bomb goes off in the the box and things start to open is the thing that Kang or he he who remains sensed when the timeline started to branch and and Loki. Yeah, uh, possibly, but some people seem to make something to do with Wanda, don't they? So uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure. That apparently, the same time he. He um, feels something at the same time. Wonder does something apparently. So, so people say, but um, I don't know. But I like what they use for the end end song. That our souls free is the magic number for the mm-hmm. sort of first little <laughs> credit bits, which was clever. And then we get quite an unusual um, end credit scene. I say unusual because when we saw the end credit scene at the end of um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, I thought um, he'd pay it, Tom Hardy would play a bigger part, but he's just used again for another little uh, end of scene cameo, basically, where they're in a, at a bar and this bartender's trying to explain to them what's going on. Yeah, uh, he kind of almost sets up that he's going to go visit this version of Peter, and then they start to fade away like everybody else who Iron Man cured and everything. Like, and you hear them like, "No, wait, we just got here." But a bigger implication was that they left a bit of symbiote on the bar, so the this version, this MCU could get its own version of Venom, just maybe not Eddie Brock, 
which is uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, it'd be quite interested to see if that if they do something with that for uh, the next the next film. So uh, mm. we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I, I was uh, yeah I was thinking perhaps Venom was going to be in the. The, the film, but no, they just did two sort of ending credit scenes just to leave a bit of symbiote behind. So, stra- a bit of a strange choice, but perhaps for the best. Yeah, there was a point, it, was, it got really late into the film. I just turned my brother and basically whispered to him, Where the fuck is Venom? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> why is Venom not in this movie? And then I held my hopes out for an end credit thing, and then I got one, but then it wasn't the one I thought it was going to be. but it's now also led to all these series who's going to take the symbiote uh, and wherever they choose to be like this version of Venom, obviously will uh, will uh, be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think uh, like John Watts is the guy who's directed these three these three Spider-Man films, but I think supposedly they might get somebody new into direct just Spider-Man films because apparently John Watts has been tasked with writing and directing the, an upcoming Fantastic Four film for the MCU. And Sam Raimi's directed the new um, Doctor Strange film, hasn't he? Uh, mm-hmm. Bizarrely enough. Yeah. yeah, I think they wanted... I think there was rumours that maybe at one point they wanted Doctor Strange to come out before No Way Home or they wanted to re- like switch some things around in terms of release. So that's why they had all those reshoots they had some months ago. But I think the way this has all worked out, this coming after No Way Home... Could end up making that film like a lot better in kind of the grand scheme of things of this being the next major thing to follow because the first trailer we got for Doctor Strange is obviously the end credit scene, the very end credit scene for No Way Home, which you already knew about. So thankfully, didn't need to waste your time on that one because <laughs> we even talked about that trailer here on the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, it looks and. Uh... If you're wondering, folks, these films aren't going to be getting any shorter. Um, Multiverse of Madness is supposed to clock in a, a good two and a half hours by the signs of things. But not to like 2.28, which is still shorter than the Batman, which was 2.56. Uh, yeah, at least they've not went the full three hours, uh, which was the theory that was going to happen. But, you know, it's still a long one. But again... Doctor Strange has got its own thing with, you know, timelines and cameos that they need to fit in. So much like if this film was going to be two and a half hours long, then I think Doctor Strange needed to be as well. But I hope outside of the Avengers film, this doesn't become the norm. (laughs) (laughs) I we watched Shang-Chi the other night because my mum and dad hadn't seen it. We all watched on Disney Plus. They enjoyed it. But like characters like Shang-Chi are kind of the lower level people that you give solo movies to. Not all of them need films that go this long. No, no, that's just that's just something they can stay around the two-hour um, mark for for most of them with with any luck, especially for our poor bladders. <laughs> oh yeah, um, absolutely. I felt kind of I don't I mean I didn't feel as bad as like when I stuck around for the Batman in crazy and I didn't have to, but like I thought, oh that's interesting. A little footage for Doctor Strange too. So I thought, oh maybe. They'll splice that in with new footage whenever the new trailer comes out. And then I remember the first trailer came out. That was exactly scene for scene, the one I stayed for and ended the way home. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> oh dear indeed, sir. But yeah, uh, I mean, 
that wraps that pretty much wraps it up i mean you got any any final thoughts anything you want to add uh hold on oh hello there income that takes your popping his head in <laughs> he's like you're in there recording that podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm keeping that and anyway uh, i don't know if i can add any more than we've already done but yeah like of course it lives up to the hype as you told it would and there was a lot of expectations we even talked about it when we talked about the trailers for the film a couple of months back uh, it, it and it helps you know, wrap up some stuff for like the last couple of Spider-Man films it's a stuff for new ones and even wraps up stuff from Spider-Man films that came out 20 years ago uh, it helped get give people a whole new appreciation for Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man to the point where other people like advocating for Sony, like the whole pocket universe seems to have going with Venom and uh, and Morbius and whatever plans they've got going for them to kind of bring like Andrew Garfield Spider Man into that Spider Man into that Spider Universe, so they can uh, he can at least get another chance to play the character and redeem himself again after the Amazing Spider Man. I don't know if they'll they'll do that, but you know, fair play to him for getting another shot at it. And yeah, I mean. I don't know what else you can say. Like Spider-Man, I think so far out of everybody in the MCU, probably has had the strongest trilogy. Because even if the one you like the least, even those one out of the Tom Holland ones you like the least, I don't think there's any ones that you can say are bad, which you can't say for some other people like Iron Man. Iron Man isn't as a very imperfect trilogy. Yeah, definitely, and um, for a dark world and and whatnot. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. a Probably and probably the strongest, probably the strongest out of the Spider Man as well. Even though uh, Bill and Fark as Andrew Garfield never got a third one, but uh, <laughs> uh, and they finally showed that you can't have a film with multiple villains, but there is a way to go about it that doesn't, you know, totally fuck up your franchise. And they proved they could do it here. So, like you said, seeing it's a good film. Is the only thing I really can say. But even then, it feels like I'm really underselling how good this movie is. Like you just need to sit down if you've got a spare three hours and nowhere else to be, just to sit down and enjoy it. I mean it is it is six stars at the Tokyo Dome, basically. <laughs> that's that's what this film is. It very much is. Uh me and Carl decided to push our our inevitable Marvel MCU ranking till after Doctor Strange two comes out because uh apparently we're recording this the night before midnight is set to premiere which Oh, I'm happy to have something to watch on Wednesdays again, but uh, but apparently I'm hearing already rave reviews about it. So Moon Knight, because Moon Knight obviously had to be very good. And how dare you, Oscar Isaac, in your silly English accent? But, <laughs> so we're pushing that back till after George Strange too, because apparently Moon Knight needs a fair shake. But when we come back to it, No Way Home, I guarantee, and I'm sure I speak for you as well. No Way Home will probably rank very highly amongst everything else the MCU's put out. Yeah, it's going to be up there at uh, <clears throat> the top end. I mean, it's probably mm. bottom on Cody Rhodes' list, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but what is he? You know, he said he, he probably said he'd never go back to WWE, but look at him now. Probably. <laughs> We're recording this before WrestleMania. <laughs> he's he's going to be there, I can tell. 
I was just like uh, messaging some of the people saying, uh, you know, everyone's thinking it's going to be Cody versus Seth or what happens if someone else comes out. The ultimate, the ultimate swerve. Please welcome back somebody who has not been in the company for some time. Please welcome Shane McMahon. <laughs> what surprise me. Or please welcome back Elias. <laughs> <laughs> the boogeyman <laughs> uh, you know uh, I don't know if we went longer right now than the Batman but both of those films gave us a lot to talk about they certainly did they're both great films and if you haven't seen them what are you listening to this for go and see them <laughs> As an as obvious case, and I can see where people's argument comes from that the whole superior thing's oversaturated, but you know, the fact that they can still pop out quality films, not just like quality superior films, but just quality films in general, like even no matter how long they are, how many characters they've got in them, like both of them, both of these films that sort of succession have just managed to, you know, really get everybody talking about just how great they are and fact that we've got Doctor Strange and some other stuff still to come. I, I, I forgot that Thor 4 is making come out in the summer. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Um, Love and Thunder, isn't it? I, could, I assumed that it was like a 2023 film, but no, apparently it's this year. Uh, as I'm sure, as I'm sure movie date really states, I keep moving around all the time, but I don't know anything about this film other than uh, I think Jane Foster's coming back, so Natalie Portman's back. Uh, also, apparently Christian Bale might be playing the villain. Well, right. So, yeah. So you know, speaking of Batman and everything, yeah, Christian Bale is showing up, and I'm sure he won't go f- too far into the film and yell at somebody. He's not got a track record for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm the god of thunder. Well, good for you, mate. <laughs> 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 I think, given the end of Endgame, there's maybe like a, maybe a cameo from the Guardians in Thor four, but. Don't hold me to that. All I want from that film is just more cork. Four, four. No wonder they're, they're giving it a subtitle. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Try saying that when you're drunk. <laughs> Can't say it sober. <laughs> it's like Thor is trying to tell somebody that he's sore, but he's got a bit of a speech impediment at the time. Like he's already blips me a bit numb. What's wrong? Thor, four. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think if I were just making jokes about MCU films that even came out, yeah, I think it, that tells us that maybe our brains have run out of things to talk about and we should just tell, we should just do the plugs and get the hell out of here. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can find the brand at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. I'm sure by the time you're hearing this, our 500 pod will be out now. So, Carl, we can talk about it. How much of a, a fun time with the, the Cody Rhodes Chronicles? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. I, I predicted how Cody Rhodes' um, journey back to WWE would go, and uh, I, I'm still standing by by that. I think that's how. <laughs> and we got forget forget Disney forget Spider Man. The, the, we got the continuation of the John Cena Chronicles. <laughs> I mean, amazing stuff. Uh, Nathan's obsession with John Cena will never cease to amaze me. 
he's still part of John Cena. Followed a bunch of other people on the podcast before he followed him, and then, then I think he then we did you know, did follow him. He DM'd him if he wanted to be on the Naked Ben and see, and never got back to him. So I think this is all some sort of passive aggressive letter to. <laughs> this is his version of like the Stan, Eminem Stan video, like dear Cena, I DM'd you, but you never responded. <laughs> But yeah, uh, you can find me, you're already been doing Smackdown, and uh, there's been a bit of a delay in an episode going up, but we're getting back on track and hopefully Judgment Day 2000 will be out soon. Uh, Scott and Ball's Round podcast at SV Rambling on Twitter on the same feed that you can find Rogue Opinions, uh, as well as the Zone feed. We recently reached a review of In Your House Buried Alive, which was not as good as maybe some people might have remembered it. And we've got some Fraser related content to come in the next couple of weeks. So that's that's me. You know, WrestleMania's coming around. So I'm I'm structuring my weekend around WrestleMania weekend where I'm trying to also arrange going to see Morbius at the same time. So maybe if we got time, try and squeeze in Sonic too. So I've got a fun weekend planned. How about you, Carl? Me, uh I'm not too sure what I'm gonna be doing really, but um Definitely going to be partaking in some WrestleMania, I should think. And um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Carl uh, underscore Fire eighty on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. And hopefully, I should have um, a, a two special Room Five Hundred Ones come in. Uh, one should be the 501st episode. See what we did there. Uh, um, Reese hosts me against Liam. So you can get the most um, things we hate into the bin of destiny. And hopefully soon there'll be uh, another one um, uh, where uh, I'll be hosting Liam versus Reese. So that should be fun. Interesting, huh? Let's see what gets thrown in the bin over over there. Won't be cats. Nobody seems to dislike cats more than as much as me. The dogs are better. Dexter will tell you himself. Dogs are better. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm more of a cat man, but I, I love dogs as well. So I would I would never want to put dogs in the bin. Get off the fence, Carl. You have to choose one. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I never make you choose. But, uh, but yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home. At one point, it felt like there was no way home from the ending of this podcast, but we finally found our way back, and we're finally done. I think if, uh, if I think if uh, 500 Pod and Room 501 are coming out, it may be a couple of days before you even hear this, but we hope you enjoyed it, however long it lasted. Just like podcasting, being Spider-Man ain't easy. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Living on the edge, body cries, spinning webs, swinging from the highest ledge, he can leap above my head. Looking up with no